Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, time now for our popular mailbag segment. We do this every week. You guys have an array of questions about the Bucks, the Rays, the Bolts, you name it, college football. Bring it to us. We're going to answer them all 100% correctly or as many as we can get to in the time allotted. So without further ado, Steve Versnick, let's get started. We'll kick it off with Craig in Vegas who tweeted us, said, with the Bucks' recent issues on third and long and with a beat-up secondary, why are they blitzing leaving guys singled with no containment? In Gainesville, we called that third in Grantham. Where is the logic for Todd Bowles? Can't wait to see the Bucks play Sunday in Atlanta. Yeah, well, the way you put it, I don't know that uh, Matt Ryan's not going to have a great day then, uh, I suppose. I think this has been a, a, a balancing act all year long for Todd Bowles, who we know really wants to come after the quarterback, especially on third down with an array of blitzes. Um, that would include not just the linebackers, but maybe the safeties or a corner from time to time. The problem is, um, you know, that while I, I wouldn't necessarily say they were single, what they've been doing at times, which is probably allowed for a lot of completions, is instead of playing press man behind it, uh, which would help your blitz, they've been playing some zone concepts. And so um, the quarterback's able to get the ball out and to mostly open receivers who are running free in those zones. They don't have guys on top of guys. And so I think the rush, and we've talked about this many times in the coverage, work together. And it, it, you know, I give all the credit in the world. Look, the, the reason why, and he got heat for this, but the reason why the Colts abandoned the run there for a while, they called 26 straight pass plays. Some of those were RPOs, run pass options, that were actually, you know, intended to be runs. But the Bucks jumped into so, so many um, seven- and eight-man fronts that they really forced the hand of the Colts to throw the ball. And so when you're when you're committing that many to the run, you know the whole game plan obviously was, you know, to try to stop the Colts from from running the ball with Jonathan Taylor. Then you're going to have some single coverage. You're going to have some zones. You're going to have some guys running free back there. And I just thought the Colts did a really good job with it. You know, they they got chunk plays. I mean, I think. You know, they talked about it after the game because there was a lot of criticism on Frank Reich, and he broke he broke it down and said, "Look, on all those twenty six plays you're talking about, this many were run pass options, and and if you take all those plays, we averaged like over seven yards a play. Well, I don't care what you do, you turn and hand it off to Jonathan Taylor, you can throw it to him, whatever. Seven yards a play is really really good, you know. So they were they got hot as an offense um, for a while there, and then." You know, after the Bucks took the lead and were up to 31-24, they did just go ground and pound at that point because then the Bucks were playing off, trying to keep them from hitting the home run, and they were able to run the ball because they got them out of that seven- and eight-man front. So it all kind of goes hand-in-hand, hand, I think, you know, the, the rush and the, and the coverage. And because you had guys going out in that game uh, early on, Jamal Dean hurt his shoulder, he was out. You know, it, it, they just had to be really careful about putting guys on an island at times. And I think this has been the balancing act that Bowles has had all season. But I give them credit. They're 8-3. and three. You know, let's not go around picking nits. Uh, 
The defense, I think, is third in takeaways this year or, or, or way high. Um, you know, they, they're obviously doing better now in the giveaway-takeaway ratio. So they've done some good things. They've not been as prolific as they were at the end of last year, but there's signs of life. To get Carlton Davis back this week, which is a possibility, he hasn't played since the Patriots game with that quad injury. You know, we'll see if Dean can bounce back. I guess it's a pain tolerance thing with his shoulder. But you still got Sean Murphy bunting. All three of those safeties are playing a really high level and playing on the same defense with Mike Edwards and those guys. So, I, I mean, I think I think they're getting there. But, yeah, third and long, there were way too many conversions. And that's a – statistically, boy, that's a win for the, for the defense. You get a team in third and eight plus, you're probably getting off the field about 85% of the time, maybe even more. And, uh, again, I credit the Colts because – they had a good plan, and they executed, and, and Wentz was moving the ball. And, that's and, and you know, the funny thing is they're getting heat uh, in, in Indianapolis because they didn't think they ran it enough. So you can't make anybody happy. I would just say scoreboard, 38-31, Bucks win. That's all you need to know. We'll kind of follow it up, and it's kind of on the same question, but Ellis had tweeted, with all the injuries, especially in the secondary, why do I see a constant or consistent stream of Todd Bowles' hate on game day? Have Bucks fans already forgotten the Mike Smith era? <laughs> I haven't, you know. Um, I haven't forgot the you like that area era either when uh, when Lovey and Mike Smith uh, combined to uh, blow that lead at time in uh, Washington with Kirk Cousins coming off uh, coming off the field in the tunnel. You like that game? Don't confuse. They're they're nothing similar in terms of their approach, their concepts. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand. I guess team. I guess you know fans are fans, and they expect you to shut the other team out. Um, look, they gave up 21 points in the second quarter. I don't know how anyone was happy with that. I'm sure Todd Bowles wasn't. That's a lot of points to give up in a quarter, and they managed to do it. And they still managed to come back and win the game because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, as Stephen A. would say, um, they got the turnovers. You know, Shaq Barrett completely turned that game around because he got pressure. Um, sack, strip, fumble, recovery. Then Antoine Winfield Jr. You know climbs the ladder and and and, and mosses uh, Michael Pittman Jr. for an interception. So you know again, I, I mean they're still rated fairly high in terms of you know total yards is how they tend to rank defenses and stuff like that. I would look at turnover dif- differential as the biggest stat to winning. Um. I think they're doing well. I don't know who – I don't understand if these folks are unhappy with Todd Bowles. Like, is there somebody out there that does it better right now? Because within the, the you know, within the industry, Bowles is considered, if not the top, one of the top defensive coordinators in the game. He has just been given a, a, a tough deck this year. I mean, you just can't – you know, you go to Washington and you're down to your seventh corner. I mean, that, that's, that's tough duty, man. You can't hide everybody. And you certainly can't hide those guys on the outside. So if there's Todd Bowles hate where you're at at Raymond James, you might want to get a new seat because that that person is just not not uh, giving credit where it's due. I, they don't win the Super Bowl without Todd Bowles last year. And the defense about this time, before now, not much, but about this time is when they really caught fire. And it was a totally different you know sort of thing all the way through the Super Bowl. But uh, I, I can't answer you, man. You'll have to ask those people why they hate Todd Bowles. I think most of that hate's on Twitter. Probably, yeah. Yeah, because I've, yeah, seen, I've seen it during games. And Twitter is, you know, sometimes the devil. Yes. Social media, you know. 
Even so, though we love your questions on Twitter. Yes. I'm just saying. Well, that's the good part of Twitter. That's the that's the positive part, yes. So Ali tweeted, Whose return to the lineup is going to be bigger for the Buccaneers, Antonio Brown or Carlton Davis? I love these questions because there's no right answer except the one I give you because um, it's guaranteed 100%. Almost on any other day, I would say Antonio Brown because I know – how difficult he makes it on other teams. Let's let's look at the evidence. They're five and zero when Antonio Brown plays. I mean, just when he plays, right? Forget about when he takes the top off the defense and has a hundred yards like he did against Dallas in the opener. Um, with him on the field, that makes Mike Evans better. That makes Chris Godwin better. It certainly makes Gronk better, and, and maybe the running back better just by his his presence um, and. I don't know what I don't know. I, I don't know how effective he's going to be on that ankle if he plays. I just don't know. I think they're going to have to account for him, but they'll probably just account for him with one guy, and so he's going to have to win. Um, and, and is he there yet? Yeah, we'll see. You know, I I heard that they thought it was a six-inch injury in the beginning. That seems like revisionist history to me because if you had known that, you'd have put him on IR right away and, and let another player move up to the roster, but they did not. They held his roster spot for six weeks. Um, so maybe it's worse than we think. I think at the end of the day that this defense has to start gelling and getting turnovers and field position for their offense. That's when I remember the Bucks going on that run, we knew they could score points. You knew that Mike Evans and Gronk and all those guys could do that stuff. What to me, what made it difference was the defense and They've had so many injuries in the secondary that Sean Murphy com- coming back was huge. Uh, Jamal Dean getting hurt is huge, right? Richard Sherman not being able to play was big. To get a lockdown corner like Davis who can travel with the best receiver, man, I, I just think that's so important to them right now, right? You know, play Matt Ryan. You know, they got some guys on the outside. You know, it'd be nice to cover. Um, but then after that, it's the Bills. It's the Saints. They just got really big games. If you win these next three, and you might need some help or you might not, you could clinch the division. I mean, you know, with a win against the Saints in, in a couple of weeks. So to get Carlton Davis, who's going to be a free agent, how motivated will he be? He's missed so much time, and he's probably hurt his value, you know. But there's still the most important part of the season left and the, and the postseason. I, I think Davis is a big get. Because these injuries might keep coming in the secondary, and you don't know where they're going to hit next. So the more of your guys you can get back, especially at that position, the better. So even though A.B. is very, very valuable, and Brady's going to love having him, I don't know how good his ankle is going to be, and I, I just still think that Davis is more important. All right, Scotty had tweeted us, and he um, included a tweet from Warren Sharp, who said, running backs making at least $12.5 million annually. Christian McCaffrey, injured. Alvin Kamara, injured. Ezekiel Elliott, injured, trying to play through it, but might take some time off to heal. Dalvin Cook, injured. Uh, Henry, injured. That's the list. So, do the Bucks give Fournette a big contract in the offseason? No. No. And I, I don't disagree with uh, who was there. A couple of people wrote that, right? Um, I don't disagree with that assessment because the guys you mentioned, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, to some extent, Dalvin Cook. Um, who was the other one? Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry, yep. 
those guys all got paid, right? They all got paid based on their production the first four years or the first six years, whenever they signed their deal, not based on what they're doing now. And my philosophy is I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you'd have to be a legacy Barry Sanders or something type of running back, Emmett Smith maybe, for me to give you a second deal just because it's an unlimited resource in many ways. And you take such a pounding. I mean, people don't really understand. These running backs are getting hit four and five times every single time they catch the ball from all angles. I mean, there's so much contact in that that I think they wear down. They certainly get hurt. And I don't, I'm not surprised that those names, uh, you know, Alvin Kamara, Zico Elliott, Dalvin Cook, um, you know, Derek Henry, all those guys. I'm not surprised. Excuse me. I'm not surprised they're hurt. It's a it's it's a high injury position. It's just high volume of injuries at that position. So my answer would be no. I mean, now again, not a universal no. Okay, long term, that's that's one way of looking at the contract. What's the actual compensation, right? How much per year? What's the guarantee? Can I get him for two years? Because he's not the youngest running back in the league. The more hits these guys accumulate, and look, I'm all for riding the guy, you know, as as hard as you can for as long as you can. And then you just it's to me it's a renewable resource. So I don't think they're gonna back off and do any load management here. I just don't think that what you're you're paying for past performance, right? When these guys get to be free agents, they're gonna go Hey, I had four thousand, four one thousand yard seasons, or I had, you know, twenty five hundred yards, or two thousand yards in receiving and rushing. You're paying for what they did, not what they're about to do. And there's a big difference. And running back, such a high volatility, I mean, such a high incidence of injury. I don't. It would be hard for me to pay a running back big money. Not 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 any money. I mean, you know, reach a deal. Uh, was Fournette probably making close to four million this year? Three and a half, four. Maybe you eke that up, bump that up just a little bit, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hand him you know 28 million over two. I know that. So yeah, I I'd go back into the you know into the draft where let's face it, you know you could have had Jonathan Taylor um, a couple years ago. You know uh, he went what four picks before Antoine Winfield Jr. and they said they would have taken him at 13 if he was there if 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 Worfs had not been so. There's definitely running backs in the draft. It's a renewable resource. Love to have Lenny back, but only at, at my price if I'm the Bucks. And other than that, I'm not worried about it. All right, Reginald had tweeted us. He said, what does the Bucks 2022 starting defensive line look like? Well, it looks like two guys you know and a bunch of guys you don't um, to me. Um, we know that uh, Vita Vea uh, is the, would be the biggest anchor of that 2022 defensive line because – and Dominican Sue is is going to be a free agent. He's kind of a year to year guy, so maybe he signs and plays one more year. Maybe he doesn't. Joe Tryon Shawinka is an absolute stud. Um, I'm looking forward to him getting more playing time this year, but certainly next year. I think he takes that job from Jason Pierre-Paul, who doesn't have a contract. And then after that, I mean, and Dominican Sue is year to year. So if we just looked at it now and says he retires or moves on, you've got Raheem Nunez Roches. Stepping in for him. And Anthony Nelson would be, even though he's an outside linebacker, if we're going to extend this to, to the guys that, you know, are really um, edge rushers, I guess you would say. Nelson, Nelson's been really, really good 
you know, per cap, like per attempt. Like he he doesn't play a lot, but for the production he's had mm-hmm. versus how much snaps, how many snaps he's played, it's been really good. So you got it would be Barrett a young group. Too. Shaquille Barrett would be back as well, right? Obviously, he signed a long term deal. So if you're looking at the outside guys, you'd have guys like Cam Gill. You know, might might be under under a contract, come back. But for the most part, you know, we're talking about JPP, and we're talking about Indalecon Stewart. And I think because you still have William Golston. Um, or no, he'll be a free agent. You wouldn't have William Golston. I th- I think they'd probably get one of those guys somewhere. But you're okay, like you know. And don't forget, there's the draft, right? And there's a secondary wave of free agency after free agency, and uh, once teams sign their draft picks. So there's a lot of ways to address the position. I don't think it's going to be as good necessarily, but I do think they need to get younger and give these guys a chance to play because. When guys like Tryon and Nelson have played, they've been really productive for the number of snaps that they've been out there. So I wouldn't panic. On paper, it's not going to look as sexy. But they still got a good group, and they would probably add to it. All right, Yub Yub tweeted us, Will Tom Brady own a sports franchise after he retires? And if yes, which is more likely, the Bucks or the Patriots? <laughs> well... I mean, neither one are going to sell their franchise anytime soon since they're about to double or triple once gambling gets into the stadium. You can make prop bets on whether the guy completes a pass or not. You don't think Robert Kraft would say, hey, you can buy 5%? No, I I think he'd sell part of it, but as you're talking about principal owner or something like that, that would not happen. That would not happen. Mm -hmm. I would lean New England over the Bucks if you were going to get a, a piece of the pie just because I think Kraft, you know, is maybe six times more indebted to him than the Glazers are, um, since you put all that all that jewelry in the box. But um, man, it's a great question. I mean, ownership to me makes sense for Brady at some level. I, I know he doesn't want to coach, and with all the commitment and the time he spent, I don't think he wants to be necessarily a broadcaster. You know, he might want to have a say on a team from even even if it's from a distance, maybe. Um. I don't know. I think ownership would be if he's going to be involved. He's it would probably be most likely ownership. It may not be a lot, but it'd probably be some kind of ownership. Not right, well. in Tampa. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay. Well, we'll switch to baseball. And Michael had tweeted us, with the Rays rookies being a year older, could the 2022 team be better than the 2021 team? And what pieces do they still need before the season starts? Well, I never thought I'd see them win 100 games. Um, it's unfortunate what happened in the postseason, but I think they're they're kind of showing you, you know, who, they, who they're who going to count on. And it's certainly Wander Franco, um, Randy Rosarena. They have a good nucleus, so... I mean, I think there's needs. You re-sign Mike Zanino. I mean, you, you re-sign the bigger parts. It looks like they're going after pitching. Pitching's probably the biggest need it is on every team every year. You've got some guys coming back, but they're young. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I outfield seems – I mean, I, I, think, I think it's probably pitching. 
You got to go fishing. I think you need I think you need more pitchers. More starting pitchers at least. Whatever whatever the Rays call the guy that takes the ball in the first inning. Um you need somebody that can stand out there for more than 3 outs. Um you know, because McClanahan is young, going to be good, bright future left-handed. Um you got some other guys coming up from Durham that pitched a little bit last year, but need arms, man. And to that to that end, I mean they got one, right? They got uh one of the first signings yeah, of the Brooks, Brooks Raley from the Astros, Corey, a left-handed reliever. Yeah, Corey Kubler, right? yeah, for a starter. Yeah, so I think that that's tell, right? What's our biggest need? The guys we just signed. Well, I, I don't think need. their dealing's done. I think, you know, you start looking. No. Let's look at the outfield, okay? You've got Kiermaier. You've got Phillips. You've got Margot. You've got Arazarena. You've got Meadows. You also have Josh Lowe you want to bring up, and Fidel Brujan can also play the outfield. That's too many outfielders. I think someone goes before the season. Well, you love to trade Kiermaier. I know people don't want to hear that, but there's no one's going to take his contract. Yeah, and it sounds like the Phillies have had some conversations on that. Yeah. To be honest, if I had to guess who goes, it's right. Austin Meadows. Really? Well, a couple of reasons. One, coming off a really good season, sell high. Yeah, he is. Secondly, okay. you might have 15 National League teams looking for a DH. Because they're because the universal the DH, DH will most likely be a part of this new collective bargaining agreement. Oh, okay, and so Meadows' defense isn't perfect for that. As high yeah. as Arazarena, as Margot Phillips, Kiermaier for sure. Yeah, you know. So if you've got teams looking for a DH, he might be a great option. I, I right. think have- I think DH is a is a need for this team. I, I think. Having a guy like Nelson Cruz in that lineup made that lineup so much thicker. And he's a free agent, obviously. How about Nelson Cruz? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you could resign him or someone else. He's 42 I mean, years old, yeah. but I mean, yeah. Well, Tom Brady's 43. I mean, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I hate it when we start talking about the unicorn. Yes. So, But, right. I mean, they can always use pitching. I mean, that's what, if, if anything, this year showed for almost every team. Considering going from 60 games to 162 was... Everybody needed pitching. Well, I mean, what what collapsed last year, right? They 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 uh, uh, started some really young guys. They, they won game one. They're in game two. They got what a five to two lead at that point, and they couldn't close it. You know, the the, mm-hmm. the doors came off, and it was mostly because they didn't hit great throughout the series. The the, the big guys certainly did. Brandon Lau didn't, but it, I think it was the pitching that got them in trouble. You know, you just you didn't have that those horses to turn to. Um. And, you know, you had young guys. Some of them their post postseason experience wasn't much or zero. And I think it got them in trouble. So the game is pitching and defense. We know they play good defense. Mm-hmm. They just, they try to get, you know, they they let Snell go. They let Charlie Morton go. And look what he, you know, helped helped the Atlanta Braves win a World Series. If If they had a mulligan, Steve, and they said, we can do one thing different. Right, because we know they they were paying archers six eight million dollars, whatever. You can kind of get to fifteen or close to it pretty fast. Do you not believe that they had one like knowing what we know about our team and what happened when we got there? If they could take one move back, would it be let's pay Charlie Morton and keep him and and let him help help our young staff? I think I think potentially, but I think the bet they took at the beginning of the year, and in hindsight, can always be wrong, was that we're going from a hundred or sixty games to one hundred sixty two. For everybody. More pitchers are better. Now, you add up Archer, Waka, Rich Hill, 
and to get to that fifteen million that they saved by letting Charlie Morton go. In hindsight, you probably would say, "Yeah, I'd rather keep Morton." Absolutely, particularly mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you knew Glassnow was getting hurt. Yes, that was key. You know, but I, I think, and I understood the bet they made. You can disagree with it all you want. And that's fine. The bet they made was, we need a multitude of arms because not every arm is going to stay healthy this year. Knowing how we're stretching guys out, we're trying to limit innings all year long too, because you yeah. know they don't like guys to go from a hundred innings a year to two hundred. They want you Makes to sense. go a hundred to one hundred and twenty, and then to one hundred and fifty, and you know they built they want you to build up arms, not you know yeah. double your output break, from year break to year. Them down, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, he got his ring. He just didn't get it here, man. It's sad. And he's a World Series hero. Better, better, bigger, and better than the bloody sock, with uh, and all that with the broken leg. Just incredible, mm-hmm. incredible. All right. So uh, Les had tweeted us. So now that Wander Franco is signed and his contract for the next few years a million, two million, two million, then you get to twenty twenty five, it's eight million, then to fifteen million, twenty two million, et cetera. When do they trade him? When do they trade Wander? Yeah. Well, if he's, you know, again, if his value is real high and the salary starts to go up a lot, that would be a, a good time to look at it. Um, I don't think they're going to trade him for very long. I mean, I think he's going to be here. How long was Evan Longoria here? I think he's going to be here a long time until he's into his 30s, my personal opinion. I, unless injuries or something derails him, he certainly, I mean, he's he's as can't miss, and, and no one is can't miss, but he, he certainly looks looks that part, right? Like, they're not handing the guy money that they don't think is going to be a great player for years and years and years to come. So, I, I, I think this I is the first untouchable player this Rays ownership group has had in many, many yeah. years. Maybe Longoria. I mean, this is early this is their Longoria or or Seattle's Ken Griffey Jr. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, yep. like he's that he's of that ilk, right? He's of that you know prodigi- you know just young superstar can't miss. And oh, by the way. He played 60, 75 games, whatever it was. And then in the postseason, what I was most impressed by is, yeah, he got off to a slow start. He completely he got out of that jam, and he, and he completely turned it, turned it around. And then in the postseason, when guys like Brandon Lau were you know squeezing the bat until Sawdust came out and other guys were not playing very well, did not postseason, he lit up. He lit up. Didn't affect him. Affected him the other way. You know what I mean? Like he was energy. He was he was invigorated. He you know, you could see the spark um, with him. So I I love that as a sign. And that said to me, hey, this guy stays healthy, man. You want to see him playing every October. I mean, he's gonna be great. So yeah, I I think they did the right thing. But you know, things do change. And you know, the Rays. If you can trade Evan Longoria, you can trade anybody. If you're the Rays. But I don't think Wander Franco is gonna be trading in the near future. No. 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 Later in no. that contract? Yeah, sure, potentially. Yeah, the money the money's back loaded, so that's that's probably why. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll switch to college football now. And Michael asked, is having a mega conference like the SEC about to become a good thing for college football? If you're in the SEC, it is. Um, I think you're going to have a bunch of mega conferences because the other conferences don't have much of a choice. You know, this is what and, – and, and look – have we not – if we found out anything about that sport, right, the sport that Matt Baker talks to us every week about? He'll be on tomorrow, by the way. Yeah, and we'll talk to him about this as well. It's like, folks, this is big, 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 
business. That's all this is, right? And business is really good. And how do you know it? Well, let's take a look at the salaries and the terms of those salaries and the bonuses on top of the salaries that these schools are handing out, right? It's insane. I mean, the, the, the money is, is, is bigger than the NFL. Um, stability is probably long, you know, longevity is probably better. This, and, and, you know, and, and they were complaining that they don't have any money for players, like just 15 minutes ago, you know, and now they can cut sort of their own side deals and things. But, man, I mean, what was the deal the guy, uh, USC signed? 10 years, $110 million. And, and But it also included a $6 million home, paying off his other home, plus $500,000. And I like this one. Free 24-hour, 365 use of a private plane for you and or your family. Like, that's a real thing. Can you imagine? I mean, just, I mean, you know, I'm I'm here just happy with having a job, right? Much less a raise. Can you imagine if you go, yeah, one other thing. Could I get the plane anytime I want it? Yes, yes, you can. That's, that absolutely. Like, what? People live like that. Really? To call college football games with a bunch of guys who can't work more than 20 hours a week because they're student athletes. This is a... This is student athletes. Where you're, this is college football. This is not the pros. This is not guys aren't getting paid here. No, just the coaches, and they jump to the next paycheck, man. You know, all worried about players in the transfer portal. Hello, yeah, right, yeah, Brian Kelly Brian? a week ago talked quoting Mike Tomlin about great jobs. Yeah, and- yeah, and he, and he spent you know what he said after he'd been out there for twenty four hours and. You know, he had coaches recruiting players and then walking outside looking at their cell phone going, don't I feel like an idiot? Um, he spent a grand total of 12 minutes with his team, okay, on like, uh, what was it, Tuesday morning. If I was a team, I wouldn't have shown up at 7 a.m. for that meeting. Hell no. Hell no. Dude, I already know you're done. I don't. Nothing you say to me is going to make me feel any different than I do about you right now. Like... It, but but he took all of twelve minutes, okay, twelve, to say, hey, sorry, you, sorry, you guys didn't know before the world, uh, or even my staff, but you know, sure did love coaching you, you know. Now go get them. <laughs> I mean, and the thing is, what's really funny is like whether it's him, um, who else? There's another coach. Their teams are in contention for a national championship. For gosh sakes, you know. Nothing like cutting and running. The worst one was of all time, and it wasn't college, it was pro, but he's going back to college, was Bobby Petrino. Bobby Petrino, who all year long, his number one theme for that Atlanta Falcons team was finish. I kid you not, you can't make this up. That was their theme, finish. Everywhere you looked, finish, right? A couple games left in the season, off to Louisville. <laughs> Guess who didn't finish? And he left them a note in their lockers, a note. I I have covered work done since he came to the Bucks. Everybody knows his story. Raised his siblings, mom, you know, off-duty officer, shot, all that. Salt of the earth, right? Wait, uh, work done wouldn't say anything bad about, I think, anyone, ever. Never heard him say a disparaging word until I asked him about playing for Bobby Petrino that year, <laughs> and he just unloaded. And I was like, wow, didn't know you knew those words. Um, yeah. 
that was that was the all timer, you know. But and this is what college and this is what big business has become. Notre Dame's going through it with Brian Kelly right now. You know, he's not going to be allowed to coach. Um so yeah, it's it's a it's a weird business, man. But but mega conferences, they're here. Is it good for college football, bad for college football? I don't know. I mean, if you know, if you've got to compete against the best, you tend to get better. Um there's there's plenty of players that are it's an unlimited resource. But I I think it's going to be difficult some, for some of these teams that are coming to these conferences to beat the top dogs, and in particular Georgia, the top dog in Alabama. I mean, that's what we're talking about, right? I mean, college football is, is is Alabama, Clemson, and everybody else in Georgia now. So um depends on what conference you're in, but they're here to stay. And why? Because of TV, because of the money that the network's going to generate, and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um the old time will tell, but uh, it's good for business. I'm not sure it's good for fans. I think it's good for business. That's that's the best thing I could say about it. All right, Scotty tweeted, Will USF and UCF have continue their annual game when UCF joins the Big 12 in a couple seasons? I don't know. I, I hope so, but, may, but maybe not. Maybe these mega conferences, um, you know, make it impossible to schedule – many or very many teams outside of the conference. Yeah, it may depend on, you know, is the Big 12 going to play eight conference games or nine or ten? Right, 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 right. You know, and, you know, does UCF think there's a benefit to that? I mean, you know, now you're in the Power 5 school. Do you want to yeah. travel to the non-Power 5 school? Or, you know, would UCF be willing to do a home and home? And home? You know, or is it you know we're the we're the Big Twelve school now. You can come to us, and we're not going back to you, and that could affect the rivalry too. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think we know the answer to that. And you know, is conference realignment done at this point? I mean, by the time they get to the the, the Big Twelve in two seasons, could there be more shakeups between now and then? Hard to tell. I think I think the whole thing is going to going to look different i mean and some of it's good you know some of it's good i I think the curtain's been pulled back on college football for the business that it is i think players are going to continue to get more um i'm happy about that if you're not in a power five though you're just everybody else you know this is the way it goes i mean there's there's team in power you know there's teams right now in, in big conferences like the sec that aren't very good at football and they won't be and you know, some of them will be coming along and some of them won't. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I, I was wondering, too, about this. Like, did Lincoln Riley calculate, and you got to imagine he did, like, hey, we're going to the SEC. Right now I'm in a position in Oklahoma with under the current structure that I can go and play for a national championship. I don't know that I can do that when I, when Oklahoma goes to the SEC. I think I can do it with a Pac-12. You know, it's pretty much us and then maybe an occasional Oregon team, you know. So I think that factors into it. Like these mega conferences are already, I think you're starting to see um, the calculus that some of these coaches are making about going to these places, you know. And I'm interested as hell to see, like, who does Notre Dame get now? Who wants that job? Who's going to go there? A few years ago, before he took Jacksonville, I'd say, well, Urban Meyer, that's, that's always been on his radar. I don't know if he leaves Jacksonville after one year. He could. 
But yeah, it's uh, I mean, we're probably not going to recognize college football in a couple of years. First of all, there'll be an expanded playoffs, which I think is good. Um, that part, but beyond that, it's just follow the money, man. That the money will tell you everything that's good and mostly bad about uh, about college football. All right, Steve tweeted. After Jeff Scott gets fired at the end of next year, will the new coach continue to make them wear god-awful uniforms? You don't like the unis, really? What did you think of the day-glow ones they wore sort of at UCF? It was kind of a cool concept because, I don't know, you know, the stripe on their helmet was like just a a bunch of names from the first ever yeah. USF team. Which yeah, this cool. being the 25th anniversary. My, my son, my youngest son, loves the slime green uniforms. But he loves anything loves the neon slime. and neon green and yellow and well, that's the but that's the whole yeah. thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's what they're trying to do is capture the kids. You know, it's all about the kids. By the way, and, the, and, the, and coach, the coach has very little say in the uniforms. Oh, is that right? I mean, they probably have a little bit of input, but it's more Adidas, Under AD? Armour, Nike, uh, in the athletic department. But it's really about they probably ask the kids more than they ask the coach, right? It's about recruiting. And about you know yeah. selling jerseys, and they ain't, and coaches aren't the ones buying marketing. jerseys. <laughs> no, yeah, that's right. They were something else. You know, the reason, it's all about marketing. Yeah, it's marketing and selling jerseys and recruiting. That's what it's about. Yeah. So why would you yeah, ask the you know fifty seven year old head coach? You wouldn't, but I mean, you know, like these nineteen and eighteen nineteen year old kids can tell you all you know thirty two combinations at Oregon. Mm-hmm. You know, which I always thought was weird. Like, do we not? You know, the NFL has this rule where you have to use the same helmet, and that's why a lot of teams like the Bucks have yep. not had What's well, going away next year? It's going away next year. Mm-hmm. But, like, have we not cared that college players don't have the same helmet, like, week to week or day to day? Like, I mean, if you're in Oregon, you got, like, 27 helmets. I don't even know how they have places big enough to store them all. Yeah, I mean, you have 27 helmets, you play 12 games a year. Exactly. <laughs> you, change, you, could change them, you could change uniforms or helmets at halftime and still have leftover helmets. It's crazy how many combinations they got, but it's but but the kids the kids love it, man. Mm-hmm. They love the gear. Well, let me, how much gear do I get? You know, it's kind of neat. We'll end on this. And Greg had two questions. First question: I'll be in Italy for Christmas. What's the one city you've always wanted to celebrate the holidays in? It's the most wonderful time of the year. I don't know uh, Bedford Falls. I'm a big. Uh, there's no such place, but but if I could. It would be Bedford Falls from It's a Wonderful Life, you know. I'd go to, uh, I'd go to uh, whatever the bar was there, you know, mm-hmm. um, the Italian dude, and swing back of you, and you know, that looked like a beautiful place with the snow falling. Hello, y'all. Savings and loan. Run around with mm-hmm. the snow falling, and I don't, I don't really have in my mind's eye. I've always thought Christmas was like that's the one day I grew up in Florida. You know, it's snowed twice here in my lifetime, which is saying something. Um, I think like in 1977 was the mm-hmm. first snow that I can remember. Yep. Uh, the other one was like 89, I want to say, I something like you're that. you're correct. Um, so those are the only two snow days. So I would dream not of a white Christmas, but just like a non-85 degree Christmas. Like, give me a cold front. Please, God, let me have to wear a sweater outside. when I Or let me, when I get this football helmet for Christmas... Or we go out there and we play in the yard because we're gonna, you know, some, everybody's gonna get their gear. Or we ride bikes. I don't want to be sweating on Christmas Day out there. So that's what you would root for. Like, just give me a cold front. But on Christmas Eve, like that sort of thing, 
I love. I would love to be in a place where there's snow. Not that I want to go out in it because I don't. I don't want to crash my. I'm not going to crash my tree, my car into that tree. You know, in uh, my lips bleeding, and then all of a sudden clearance comes down and it's fixed. I don't want to do that. But I, I do. I do like the postcard. You know, sort of Christmas thing with the lights and the you know the snow, like light snow falling on the ground, like you know, as a as a kid that grew up in Florida, like that would be it for me. So whether that's somewhere in Pennsylvania or, you know, uh North Carolina I mean North Carolina doesn't really snow. But yeah, some some place some place where it's just a little nice nice little light snow on Christmas would be good. Don't really I've been in Chicago. Now Chicago's kind of a nice city to be in at Christmas, except mm-hmm. it's so cold. It's so cold sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a that's a beautiful city, mm-hmm. and I've I've been. Listen, you go on Division Street. This has happened around Christmas time. <laughs> I, hate, I hate to admit it. Uh, we were running up and down the street like fools, like it was Bedford Falls, and the snow was falling, and everybody was having a good time, and they're all huddled up in the bars, and the, you know, uh, having their hot chocolates or whatever they whatever they were drinking, and that was cool. So, but to me, it's got to be someplace cold. If I'm if I'm gonna be honest with you, I, I don't. But I don't have a specific city. I, I really don't. All right. We'll end on his second question. He says, mm. which of these scenarios are least likely to happen? Iowa beats Michigan. The Falcons beats the Bucks, Or Tom Jones guests on the podcast before the end of the year? Well, this is easy. The last one's not going to happen because we're in charge of the podcast, and Tom's not going to be on before the end of the year. So can I eliminate that one? I mean – Sure. So we just go. I mean, it's a this podcast is guaranteed to be one hundred percent correct. Right. So don't don't ask. You know what I'm saying? Like, once you message him, I don't get like we're, we're. I mean, just saying like the the, the that's that's history. Well, so you we'll guys were on, you guys were on Twitter talking about doing your own Manning cast. Well, and we then, were. And then I someone, mean, that... ch- someone chirped back at Tom that he'd quit after a couple weeks. It's so. <laughs> exactly right. He quit after the first quarter. That that's how that works, so you know why why. You know there are certain relationships that you just you give your heart, and then you know it's kind of like that song George Michael last Christmas I gave you my heart. The very next day you gave it away. I I don't know you know it took all of a day like that's one day. Think about that Christmas that was a terrible Christmas right? You gave your heart in one day, they gave it away so. I mean that's that's you know December twenty sixth every year you're thinking about that like that's not good, so why would I why would I invite that into my in into my uh, into my holiday before the first of the year I, I so Falcons beating the Bucks what was the other one Iowa over Michigan. Iowa Oof. I'm not going to go there because that wouldn't be fair to you I'll say least most likely to happen he asked for least likely but you can go either way. Okay, least likely to happen would be the Falcons beating the Bucks. I agree. Don't see it. Don't see it. Arthur Smith, like them. Matt Ryan, okay. They're just, they don't, I mean, the Bucks would have to play so poorly. And they didn't play great in Indianapolis. They still won the game. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, were, they gave up 21 points in a quarter, gosh sakes. And they still won the game. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see them losing to the Falcons. That's the least likely. But uh, but yeah, no, I'm Tom Jones. Really, that's the question, <laughs> folks. It's just fun. We're just having fun here on the podcast. 
We're we're all friends. Just not going down that road again. Um, all right. Well, thanks for your questions. They're all answered 100% correctly. Uh, I've got to spend the rest of the day, I think, putting up Christmas. Is it today or never? We're talking about the holidays. I'm a big Christmas guy. I've accumulated so much stuff. The problem is I've accumulated so much stuff, and therefore it, it takes a while to get it all out and up, and I'm dreading it because I know once it's out and up, it's going to be beautiful. I'm going to enjoy it. But then I, I, as soon as I get it out and up, I realize I've got to put all this away at some point. And that's the second worst day. So that's what we're doing uh, is spending our time that uh, doing that. So hope you guys have a, uh, a great day. Tomorrow we'll have Matt Baker to talk real college football, all the changes in the landscape. We'll probably have – look, I mean, they're already asking the question in Cincinnati, are you going to Notre Dame, Luke, uh, you know, Coach Fickle? Are you, uh, you know, uh, what about – uh, Urban Meyer, would he be interested? Um, okay, well, then, you, then you've got to, you know, who's taken over at Oklahoma and so on and so forth. So it's going to be a lot of intrigue with these jobs in the next few weeks um, as far as that goes. And, of course, we'll ask Matt about the Gators' new coach as well. So we got lots to talk to him about. And then we'll be out at, at the Bucks talking to Tom Brady, of course, uh, in a day or so. Uh, Tom Brady will speak and uh, – We'll get you ready for the Atlanta Falcons and the Bucks. That one's coming up. And then after that, two big games. The Bucks got the Bills at home and then the New Orleans Saints at home. And the second one is a Sunday night game. So that'll be fun. So lots going on. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. You can send your questions in anytime. Doesn't have to be a mailbag day. Do that on Twitter at SportsDayTV. Reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. Email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Or Steve Burstick. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.